Today's episode is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash adventures in autism. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Before we get into today's episode, I just want to take a minute to talk to you about making authentic friendships. You might remember the founder, Juliana Featherman, from episode 34 of Adventures in Autism. She is an autism sibling who created this amazing interactive web app that enables children ages 13 and up and adults with special needs to make friends based on age, interest, diagnosis, and geographic location. Parents and caregivers can also sign up to connect with other parents and caregivers. For more info or to sign up, head to makingauthenticfriendships.com. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Adventures in Autism, episode 101. I am Megan Carranza. Thank you so much for coming to listen today. If it is your first episode, welcome. So happy to have you. And if you have been listening, thank you so much for coming on back. And before we get started today, I just want to say thank you so much to everybody who listened to last week's episode, the 100th episode of Adventures in Autism. This just felt like a really cool milestone to me. It was really fun to kind of look back in that 100th episode. If you haven't listened to it yet, you should. But it was really fun because I talked about all the things that I've learned in doing 100 episodes of this show and just having so many amazing guests with all different backgrounds and just having all these really amazing conversations that have enriched my life and taught me so much. I shared some little nuggets, (laughs) some nuggets of things that I've learned. And I also answered some listener questions. And yeah, it was just really fun to kind of like celebrate this, this milestone of a hundred episodes. So speaking of conversations that enrich my life, I am so, so excited for today's show. My guest is Dr. Lisa Pena and she is an autism mom. She is an author. Actually, when I first connected with Lisa, she sent me her audio book of her amazing book, Waiting for the Light Bulb. And I listened to that before we recorded this episode. And then due to COVID and all the crazy stuff happening um, just in our personal lives, we kind of put off this call for a little bit. The recording got, got pushed back. So by the time I talked to her, I was just like itching to have this conversation because I had read the book and I loved it so, so much. And it was just so great to get to connect with her and have this conversation. So I'm so excited for you guys to hear it today. I don't even want to give too much away because I want you to hear it. Straight from Lisa, she is just a firecracker. She has so much knowledge and wisdom to impart. This this conversation was honestly just like soul food for me. It, it just filled me up and it made me so happy and I feel so inspired by everything that Lisa has done and then all the amazing things that she is working on for the future. So without further ado, I hope you enjoy listening to my conversation with Lisa. Hi, Lisa. Welcome to Adventures in Autism. Hey, Megan. I'm glad to be with you today. I am so glad to have you. You and I were just chatting before we started. We we meant to do this quite a ways back. <laughs> months um, ago. Yeah, months ago. ago. But, you know, then <laughs> it happens. COVID happens. Tons of craziness on our end. Um, but yeah. I'm so, so excited to have you on. You and I were connected through past guest, Julie Hornock, who is a good friend of yours. Yes. Uh, and she's just adore. And she's such an amazing advocate. <sighs> guidance in this community yes uh, you just was like you have got to get lisa on <laughs> so i'm so glad that she connected us and when when i first reached out to you you had said to me you were like i really want you to read my book and you sent you were very kind to send me a link to the audio book because i i love reading but i just don't have the time but i love audiobooks I sure like books um and i devoured your book i i think i honestly finished it in like three days like i just couldn't <laughs> couldn't stop listening to it because i absolutely loved it so 
if you will kind of give us like the quick version, obviously people want to listen to your book. We'll tell them where they can find that. But if you will take us back to the beginning of your journey and what that looked like with your beautiful daughter, Isla, I would love to hear. And I know the listeners would too. Great. Okay. So I'm actually from uh, the Rio Grande Valley. It's the very tip of Texas, South, 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 Texas, the most South you can probably go um, in our country. And um, we come from an area that is underserved. There's very little resources, particularly, I think, when it comes to special education, special needs, you know, that whole special needs population. Um, But we grew up here. My my husband and I have been, we were high school sweethearts here our most of our life um we did leave the valley uh, to go you know to college and go to school uh, my husband is a teacher and a coach i am a clinical pharmacist so i have a doctorate in pharmacy um and we had our first child a couple of years after we got married and she was the hardest baby ever i don't i you know i tell people that it sounds so insensitive, but she was a bad baby. Like, I don't even care if people judge me for saying that. Like, I don't even care. That's what it was. And of course, we never could have fathomed what was going on, right? We just, we didn't know. It was our first time, our first kid. So, um, started out with a really rough year. Just no, she would not sleep. She was eating, having a really hard time eating, throwing up all the time, uncomfortable, crying. Um, nothing really soothed her but a bath you know? Um, and so it was a really tough time for me. I know particularly because my, I had, um, excelled at everything I put my mind to in my life. If I wanted to do something, I could do it. And surely I could be a good mom, (laughs) you know, surely (laughs) that was going to come easy and natural and beautiful, just like the commercials. And it didn't happen that way. So that was kind of a tough, you know, a, a transition into her second and third year when we started really seeing delays. And the first delay was re- was speech, and I think that's really common for most, um, you know, for most fam- some families. But mm-hmm. she just wasn't talking, and she was so expressive that we figured words were coming any day, you know, because her she was so expressive with her face, and everything seemed perfectly fine. She was developing fine physically, but she just didn't have words and. I remember when she did start talking, it was very monotonous and it was the same word over and over and over and over. Like if somebody was pressing play on something and, you know, (laughs) rewind, play, rewind, play, it was, it sounded the same Um, for a long time. It was the word hi. And so even in response to a question, she would say hi. And so we kind of knew like there was something, right? Something there. Um, but it wasn't until she got into daycare and kind of those early years of, you know, three years old, I think two or three, you start to compare. We were the oldest in our family. She was the first kiddo in our, all of our family. So we had no means of knowing that she was nothing but perfect and beautiful, which everybody, you know, knew. Um, but then you have 10 kiddos to compare her to every day, which doesn't really happen purposefully, but just kind of happens, you know? So, um, a story in, Um, one of our stories is, you know, I walk into a a daycare and all of the kids are playing with balls and, and, and pretending to read books and, you know, playing with toys and she's in the corner and she's chewing on a carpet. And so it was things like that. It was visual images and things, scenes that I remember that were so, it wasn't even that they were disturbing, but they were kind of shocking, sometimes even embarrassing. We hate Mm -hmm. using that word as parents, but I remember feeling a lot of embarrassment because I didn't understand. And at that time, I didn't know that, but that's why. It wasn't really embarrassment of her. It was Mm -hmm. embarrassment that I didn't understand her. And I felt felt guilty for that, like I was missing something. Um, Because of where we are, I'm assuming, I think that our part of the country was was very late to get a lot of this autism awareness education information as particularly the fact that it will look different in everybody mm-hmm. and I, that's a common theme that I know happens but so we I mean, we had people come out to her school we, we had like early intervention teams and within minutes they would call me and say nope your kid's definitely not autistic she smiled and looked at me and held my hand and so we'd say, okay, well, it's not that, you know, we just kind of kept going and people just wouldn't tell us. Um, we finally got into a behavioral pediatrician, which took like six months, which we all know is an issue that it takes so long to get seen. Um, and at that visit, after looking at her, this doctor actually looked at me and told me she was MR. I mean, she used the letters MR. And I, I remember thinking, you know, we were there assuming it was autism or a learning disability. So to hear MR, you're like, 
first of all, who uses that? Who says that? Right? What, mm-hmm. what health professional says that? And then second of all, it just wasn't, it wasn't that we didn't believe something was wrong. It just seemed incomplete. You know, she was so capable in so many different ways, except academics. So it was confusing for a long time. So, you know, Megan from, gosh, from three to six years old, this girl went to every, I mean, pediatricians, behavioral pediatricians, speech therapy, occupational therapy, physical therapy. We did MRIs, EEGs, genetic testing, um, color blindness testing, vision, hearing. Um, she, I mean, psychiatry, psychology. I, I joke that we gave her everything but a colonoscopy. I swear. <laughs> like if, I would have done it. If it would have helped her, I would have done it. But I, I didn't know what else to do because she just wasn't presenting clearly for any particular diagnosis. And, you know, I think as parents, we're always so stuck because we don't want there to be something wrong per se. We don't want a diagnosis, but Mm -hmm. you get to this. It's like, really, I just need to know, like, I, you know, there's almost relief in knowing. Um, But I think because I had heard for so many years that it wasn't autism to hear that it was autism was devastating to Mm -hmm. me. Um, she was six years old. I mean, she was already six. We had, and so I couldn't help but think of the time we had lost the years we had lost, you know, um, in struggling through daycare, struggling through public school, through PPCD classes, you know, having to be labeled, um, non-categorical because nobody knew it was wrong, but they definitely knew something was wrong. You know, it was this whole mess that we dealt with just because, um, all of this information about autism was barely growing. It was growing and people were discovering more things. So it was six years old when we found out and finally got a diagnosis of PDD, the pervasive developmental disorder that was before all the levels came out and the new DSM five, you know, was upgrade was updated. So Mm -hmm. that was at that point, she still had those particular labels uh, or diagnosis. Um, And then begin our journey into therapy, which did not exist where we live. Um, I began researching and realizing that we wanted to try ABA. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm a proponent of all kinds of therapy. I think every family deserves choices, but ABA was something that continued to come up that was evidence-based as a pharmacist. That's what I was really looking and leaning towards Mm -hmm. um, were things that had evidence behind them. And so we had to move. We picked up our whole family. We moved our, moved away from our church and our home and our jobs, um, and we had to move a couple of hours away to get her therapy she needed. And very quickly, we realized that it was only because of the resources we had, meaning our jobs, right, our mm-hmm. income, that we were able to give that to her. That meant that thousands of kids would never have that opportunity where we were from, right, from our area. That's, that's thousands of children that would never be able to do that, um, you know, when we could. So we worked very hard with that company to get a clinic here in the Rio Grande Valley. Um, I think now there's like three or four hundreds of kids are being served through that. So we really believe that Isla was used. You know, our daughter was used. Her story was used um, to to be a part of that, you know, to be a part Mm -hmm. of bringing bringing back what we needed. So we were able to come home pretty quickly within the year uh, and continue ABA, but in our hometown, which was really a blessing. So the story kind of starts there with the book because when we finished ABA therapy, we did it for about two and a half years. And, you know, I'm sure you hear this from your parents as you talk to them. It's interesting how, no matter how hard it gets, how bad it gets, how grim it looks, we're always so freaking hopeful. You know what I mean? Like we always think this is the year, this is the month, this is the time, (laughs) this is the teacher, this is the class, this is the clip, this is the therapy, you know, we always Mm -hmm. think that. Um, Mm -hmm. And when we were done with ABA, I thought we are amazing parents. We did a great job. This is over. (laughs) You know, this is awesome. We did it. She's going to go to school and it's going to be great. And it's going to be done. And, um, we went to school and probably suffered and struggled more than we had the initial eight to nine years since she had been born. Mm -hmm. Uh, We were shocked at the, gosh, at the system. Let me just say it like that. Um, We realized very quickly, this is not a teacher problem or an admin problem. This is a system, a systemic problem. Um, through every state, through in in the whole country, you know what I mean. So, it's such a 
big thing. It's so complex. And we, we did, we suffered some, some really horrible things, uh, particularly Islo, which to this day, I may not ever know, you know, really to the extent at which she suffered and struggled within the public school system. Um, but right before that, <laughs> I guess going backwards, when we were going to go to public school, I just about our journey because for two reasons, one, I knew how much I had changed as a person, as a mother, as a wife, you know, in so many ways, um, through Isla's life, but also cause by that point I had two other kiddos. Mm-hmm. I had already had, you know, I had two other children and I know we don't like to talk about this, but the truth is I'm not going to end this journey with Isla more than likely. It's going to be her brother and sister. And I felt like I wanted to give them a piece of our living history. You know, I wanted, I wanted them to know from the beginning, why am I the way I am? What, what has made me the way I am? Everything about her from the beginning. So they would have that to look back on in their life. Um, and so it was really never intended for anybody else, which is probably <laughs> why it's so raw and sometimes <laughs> embarrassing because I did not really write it for you or anybody else for that matter. But, um, and I think I say that like in the very beginning, like in the disclaimer of the book. And so some of it's really shocking because I think we, people don't talk about really the nitty gritty of all of the things that happen and what goes behind every decision and choice and opinion. And, you know, for a long time as a parent, you're lost too, you know, and you're, you're making mm-hmm. your way. But, um, so I wrote a chapter for every year of her life. And it was supposed to be in celebration of her 10 year birthday. Um, And I really expected the book to be a triumph, you know, a joyful, happy, we won kind of book. And (laughs) it turned out to be something very different, which, you know, and I remember (laughs) chapters one through nine, I wrote retrospectively, right? So I had, we had already done those years and Mm -hmm. I was kind of writing as I go, but chapter 10 was written in real time, which you can tell because it's like half of the book. <laughs> it's like half the length of the book. It's really that is long. true. <laughs> yeah. And my husband's like, man, thank God you did not write this book <laughs> during every year. It would be a, yeah. It's like, yes, I understand. Thank you. <laughs> but um, so yeah, the last chapter is intense, not only because I was writing in a real time, but as you've seen so much happened and there was just so much heartache and I, was not expecting it that late in the game, you know, that, that law, that much into the journey. And it was really just a test on all of us. Um, and so the book is hard. I think it's hard, but it's really real. And as I began to show it to people, my family, um, or friends, you know, the intent was to give it to people who are around us, right. The world around us. So people who do deal with Isla every day will understand it at that level. And I just began to get this outpouring of support and push. Like you need to publish it. You need to publish it. Um, And so I got really brave and I put it out there in the world. um, And the impact has just been, I I could never have imagined um, that it would impact so many families and, and really so many different families. I've, I've had some of the greatest feedback from families who don't have special needs kids. Mm-hmm. You know, who will say, oh, my God, I couldn't believe how much I related to so much of that. And I've never dealt with special ed or never dealt mm-hmm. with, you know, that kind of stuff. And so um, I think so much of this is just part of the motherhood journey, you know, and we we might experience things differently. But um, the book was so therapeutic for me, writing it down, putting it on paper where I didn't have to hold it anymore. You know, I could just mm-hmm. I've I let it out. I could go back to it when I needed to. Um, I, I wanted to do that for other moms too. So I began to share the book in my area with other moms who have children with autism. And once they read my book, we would meet at Starbucks and, and they would tell me their story in a couple of hours. I would kind of ask them questions. Um, and then I began to blog about their stories, kind of doing the same for them. And they were able to have something that was a power, you know, a storytelling in a powerful form uh, with creative writing to share with their family and their friends, maybe showing them things they've never shared before, you know, because able to share with me knowing I had a similar story. Um, and that began Mocha Tribe Diaries. Mocha stands for mom of a child that has autism. Uh, we built a really incredible community based off of those first eight women and uh, all the stories are available on the website. They're done in audio. And I think that they are 
the greatest tool to build radical empathy. Uh, I think that's the only way we do it is that we have to share our stories in the most raw, true form to get people to understand a population that they wouldn't typically understand, you know, because when we do that, respect follows and it's really hard to not love somebody you don't respect. So I think it's that love component that really gets us some positive change in that, you know, in that um, for us, for the moms and for that population of people, uh, particularly. So uh, that's a lot, man. What a long story. Isla now, yeah, she's she's 11. She's going to be 12 in a month. Um, she's really missing school. She's still in public school, but we switched districts several times. We found an incredible district for her. Um, and they've been so great. And we could talk about that by another time. There's so special education <laughs> itself is like Girl. a series, like a series of these of podcasts. And so, um, but she was thriving until all of this COVID, you know, messed it up. Um, yeah. she is set to go to junior high next year, which is shocking beyond belief for me to say out loud. Um, but she is happy and joyful. Uh, she is verbal. If you were to see her, talk to her, the biggest indicator of her delays is speech. I mean, it, it's a, it's a moderate speech delay, but she can still verbalize what she needs and wants very much so. Um, <laughs> and so she's a joy. I would say that in the beginning, I wasn't expecting that. I really only had one story of autism in my head and it was tragic, you know, it was tragic. And that's really what I expected for my life. And uh, I'm so thankful that she showed me otherwise. And I have found more families who see that. You know, I think it's I think it's just as just as incorrect to say autism is a blessing than to say autism is a curse. Like autism to me just is. It it is what Isla is, and it she's you know b- before anything else, she's my daughter, and I love her, and I I don't you know I love her the way she is. Um, mm-hmm. She's just brought so much to my life and to my family that I know would not have been if it weren't for the way her brain was so uniquely wired. So. Oh my goodness. You just said about a million things. (laughs) (laughs) Go, go, go. Um, Well, yeah. First of all, what a journey. I love that. Like you said, you wrote this book, like almost as like a diary for your kids to read, like for, you know, the public, because I think that is what's so special about it because had you intended it for other people to read, you may have filtered more or, you know, help on certain things. Um, Mm -hmm. Because like you and I were talking about before we started, one of the things in the book that really stood out to me, first of all, like how you had mentioned that the first doctor used, used the term MR, meaning like she thought that your daughter was mentally retarded. And to, to hear that, like, like I said, I, I listened to the audio book. Um, even just to hear that, like as, as a, f- a fellow parent just fired me up. I just could not even believe. Yeah. And like you said, maybe, maybe it was, I mean, Isla is, like you said, just gonna be, gonna be 12. I think as a society, we've, we've grown a lot. We've learned a lot, but I do think, like you said, just depending on what areas you're in, there's just that, that lack of resources, a lack of education. I think we're, mm-hmm. we're learning, but we still have such a ways to go. Um, so even just hearing that was, was like shocking and upsetting for me to hear. So I I can only imagine how that felt for you. Um, but another thing that you had said that was just so honest and I know people can relate to is like you had mentioned, you are a clinical pharmacist. You had always been, you know, academically like just so like top of your class, which I, like I had said to you, I don't even relate to that. I was like, you're like a, a C student. I am like diagnosed to say I still like struggle with. So I like, I don't necessarily have that, that same feeling, but I know so many parents do where it's like, you have this image in your child of like, you know, Val Victorian and like this, this genius child sure. and yeah. to then be faced with, you know, learning disabilities and academic delays that can be really difficult. Can you touch on that a little bit more? When I was in, um, so I was valedictorian my eighth grade year, my senior year. I was like the wow. classic, classic nerd. I know you said valedictorian to be funny, <laughs> but I really was. And I, um, so funny. I was a nerd on like paper and in person. Like, I mean, the Coke bottle glasses and the, I mean, like every way it's kind of, um, it's kind of unbelievable how much I was. <laughs> um, but the, the trick is that what happened because of all of that, because that was where I excelled, 
I began to put a lot of my value and my personal worth in that. So I was worthy and valuable because I was an A student. I was worthy and valuable because I was, you know, valedictorian. I was worthy and valuable because I had, I was going places. I was going to go to the big college, get the big degree, get the, have the big career. Um, You know, this, that was kind of what I think, not really my family, but I think society kind of put on me. That's, that's what a successful, fulfilled life looks like. And you are on your way, girlfriend. You know, that's kind of how I felt. And so as I got into college, um, it changed a little bit. College was not as easy, right? You don't just, you don't just get all A's sometimes. (laughs) And so I began to kind of change where I placed value and work, but it still was very much rooted in achievement, really, you know, in academic achievement, Um, getting into pharmacy school. That was a huge one. Now in pharmacy school, the grades were not there. You know, there's some classes that you make a C in and you're the most proud because man, that was hard. And I think pharmacy for me kind of changed what is, what a great student was defined as for me and began to more value um, being resourceful, being very diligent in trial and error, being very patient with troubleshooting. You know, I learned that in pharmacy school on top of how to research and really sift through clinical bias and, you know, so many skills that I would never have imagined would come in so handy for me <laughs> later down the line. Absolutely. And so, yeah, so I already kind of had a different view, but then, you know, on top of that, so now you have this person who has such high expectations, not only for the people around them, but obviously for the people they create, you know? <laughs> and so it's like when let's fast forward, I have a daughter who can't read, who can't write. She doesn't know her numbers, her colors, her shapes. And despite that has been the most impactful person in my life. Mm -hmm. You know, I get emotional always saying that because there is no scholar. There's no professor that has added to the value and worth of my life the way my daughter has Um, Mm -hmm. just in finding value and worth in people not in any achievement of any kind, but in kindness and compassion in doing for others and empowering others to do for themselves. Um, Man, I mean, what a different world, you know? So yes, I have learned over time how that, how we are going as as, as a family, we will have to define, you know, redefine what success is for Isla, what fulfilled, a fulfilled life is for her. And it's going to look very different than what society says. Um, but we now know where the truth lies, you know, in mm-hmm. what makes her happy, what makes her feel at peace, what makes us feel happy and at peace. Um, so, yeah, that was a journey, a journey in itself, um, a lesson in humility by all means. Um, <laughs> I always joke. I always joke that, you know, man, like, you know, telling God, I never knew I had to be humbled so much, <laughs> which means I probably had to be humbled very, very much. <laughs> And the fact that I needed that, you know what I mean? So it is the lesson in humility over and over and over. And I think that I was used in that way because I know for a fact that if it weren't for my daughter, I would still be the same person I was back then. Does that Mm -hmm. make sense? I would be, I would expect nothing less than A pluses from every kid that walks in this house. Mm -hmm. I would have been pissed as hell. If they did not come home with the best grades and the best behavior and the freaking green light on your clothespin or whatever you need to get, you know what I mean? Like it would have been like that without any attention to, you know, mental health and socio-emotional health in the classroom and, you know, lowering anxiety and feeling loved and valued and belonging and all of those great things that really, I think create a great relationship between parent and kiddo. So yeah, Isla saved my other two kids from a mess of a mother. Let me tell you. Oh my God. I always tell them like when are you gonna thank her? You're gonna thank her for saving yeah. you. Because <laughs> oh really, yeah. <laughs> well I love that you say that and it's like you said, it is such a journey and there's there's so many lessons and I've said that before too. I'm like I have been humbled and then humbled again. Like Ooh. it's like thank yes. To that point of humility and you're like oh no there's sure. one left to go even more yep exactly <laughs> yeah. but yeah. I, I love you you had said before that was the only reason why you wanted to write the book was that it was like you it, it changed you so much as a person and I I've said this before and I feel like it's come up a lot recently but it's like I I feel like this journey it can it can change you and it can change you in a good way or a bad way I think 
most people do come out of it just with so much growth and how you had said before that like to say that autism is is a blessing or to say that autism is a curse are like almost equal but to me it's like that that is the blessing and I I am so happy to hear you say that and it's like that's that's something that I'm thankful for every day that like you said, like you, you learn these lessons that you really would never have learned otherwise. There's no other way to learn these things. And so I think that's why, and and you said radical empathy too, which I, I love that. I'm reading a book right now called radical acceptance. Have you heard of that book? Okay. No, no. Who's it by? It's incredible. It's by Tara Brock. Okay. Um, It's, it's amazing. I think it should be like required reading for everybody, but it's, it's not about (laughs) acceptance in like a, you know, accepting, accepting everything, no matter what. It's really more about like being mindful and just like being present sure Um, but it's so interesting when you said radical empathy I was like oh I love that yeah (laughs) because I think that that's where the the connection that you know autism parents feel with each other and really special needs in general I think it's because like we all have have learned that empathy in a way that we just wouldn't have had to otherwise exactly I totally agree I totally agree um and I think that's where um a lot of that's where I think storytelling comes into play because I think for a long time, uh, you know, the isolation is so severe in the beginning. I think that's just kind of part of it. It's part of the game, you know? And, uh, that's what I've been trying to tell every mom that I come into contact with. It's like, you need to share your story. It does not have to be a book. It does Mm -hmm. not have to be a blog. Like I'm talking about over a cup of coffee. Like you have to find the people you love the most and share the story in all of its (laughs) gore and wonder and everything. Um, because it's the only way it's the only way. So, um, yes, I, I, I think I agree to all of those things, all of that. The truth will set you free, right? For sure. For sure. And especially, like I said, I think people think that, you know, there's a lot of people who are very private. I totally get it. That was my life. That was how I was raised. You don't share things that are hard. You absolutely Mm -hmm. don't make them feel sorry for you. Oh my God, God forbid. Right. That's like Mm -hmm. how we think, but the last thing we want is a pity party. Um, but I think there's such a, there's such a, a, a difference in this. You know, I always say as a mom, I think what happens is that um, we, there is this shift. I always I talk about this. It's a profound shift that happens when you realize and everybody, it happens at a different time in everybody's life when it comes to special needs children. But there is this profound shift that happens when you realize that what you equated to motherhood now equates to a lifetime caregiver mm-hmm. that is so heavy <laughs> that mm-hmm. it is ridiculous to think that we should not share that like that has to be shared that amount that amount of weight and I'm not talking about a burden I mean the amount of emotional just how emotionally heavy that is I do not believe that one person was meant to carry that I believe that we were meant to share that a little bit with the ones that love us the most so that that will be bearable because there are a couple of years that it's almost unbearable because yeah. you're not, you're not out of that yet. Um, once you get out of that shift, that's what I think equates to where people say, you know, Oh, we saw the light at the end of the tunnel or whatever. It doesn't mean it's over. It just means that you're out of that shift and you've come to embracing and accepting what you thought was going to be normal motherhood. Right. And now it's not. Um, and and that's what we're focusing on, you know, as I'm working with my, the nonprofit, because now the Mocha tribe is a nonprofit and, uh, we do retreats for moms, but they have special needs kids. That's who we're, we're focusing on that tender, that tender shift where you just need people, man, you know, like there is no blog that's going to help you right now. (laughs) There is no educational PowerPoint that's going to make you feel better. You are going to be weepy until you get face to face with another mother who totally gets it. And you don't have to explain anything. You just belong in an instant when you've been isolated forever, you know? So um, I believe that's powerful work. And that's what we're doing for work that we're doing right now. Oh, so, so powerful. I, I completely agree with you because I feel like until you can really express your feelings, and like you said, that the, the, the weight of that. I feel like that's where the healing really comes from. And like you said, not everyone is going to write a book or, or have a blog. Sure. Um, I really started the podcast with that same thing in mind. Cause it was like, I was so desperate to hear from other parents who were, you know, in a yes. situation that I was in and I didn't have anyone in my life who, who was on the same path as me or a similar path. Yeah. And yeah. 
it was really just out of my own desperation. <laughs> no, you know, we, we, we do, we, we, we don't know what to do for ourselves. We do for others. That's exactly, that's exactly what this is. That's what it equates to. And I think it's um, almost the most glorified form of selfishness. <laughs> to do oh, something I for, you know what I mean? Cause really yeah. you do it out of necessity, but it ends up helping people in the end, which is incredible. You know, yeah, yeah. people will tell me like, Oh, listening to the podcast is my therapy. And I'm like, it's my therapy too. <laughs> we're, all, we're all doing the same thing. Exactly. Um, that that's amazing tell me about the retreats and then how how you and julie had hooked up and how everything is going with that yeah so um so what started you know i told you i had those blogs where i would meet those moms and so we had those stories and then after about the eighth or ninth one um i had a couple of really big wrenches thrown in my life um health wise in a lot of ways that kind of put that on hold and so I thought, well, it's, it's not really sustainable. It's a lot of work, right? Because you got to get the book to someone. They have to read it. You got to meet with them, which we know is not easy when it comes to busy moms who are trying to meet at Starbucks for three hours. Give me a break. Mm-hmm. So we, that was hard. And then writing the story, getting them to approve, you know, all the deeds. Anyway, it was a process. And so I thought, how can I do that on a bigger scale where I can get them together in one room and do the same thing where I don't have to tell the story they can tell their own. And so we, we made the Mocha tribe into a nonprofit so we could have events and we called them the ultimate Mocha session. And we got women in a room. They all had special needs children. At that time it was mainly autism. Uh, We've expanded since then, but, and I grouped them. I grouped them based on the age and gender of their child. And then I put them in circles and we kind of gave them little guides on how to tell their story. It was the most, (laughs) powerful like emotionally draining uh, time like it I mean just feeling that in a room it's it's just wild and I knew at that first one that we were on to something big because across the room I mean you can tell people being so vulnerable that had probably never said some of the things they said in that room that's mm. just that's just what happened and so over time, the Mocha tribe kind of gained some traction and it got some attention of different people. Uh, one of the bigger um, names was Kate Swenson from Finding Cooper's Voice. She's now a dear friend of mine. And she was the one that actually connected me and Julie. So Julie mm-hmm. Hornock was also a nonprofit, also doing events for moms a hundred at a time. Right. And so Kate's like, um, y'all should probably know each other. And we're like, yeah, we probably should. So it literally took one phone conversation and some serious divine intervention. And now we are creating one of the largest nonprofits together that I hope will impact the nation, a special needs family hub where they, anybody can go with any diagnosis, especially the newbies, you know, you just get a new one. And our goal is for every doctor, every therapist, every teacher, when they come across somebody that has a new diagnosis or is a special needs family, they know where to send them. You send them to labeled and loved and you will find everything you need from education to spiritual support to what event is coming up next. What, you know, face to face retreat is coming up so you can share stories and build your tribe and feel like you belong immediately after feeling isolated, you know, because of a diagnosis. So, um, yeah, our work is it's been a lot a long time in the process, but it's kind of just beginning this, this big version of it, if that makes sense. So mm-hmm. we're trying to combine forces basically and do things as a team fun. <laughs> and yeah. uh, for a long time, we were running one woman shows and that's, even though it's very rewarding, it's a lot of work. Um, I work full time, so I, I still have a job. And uh, so all of this really is just a labor of love, uh, you know, for now, but yeah, big things are coming. So we're hoping to do at least one retreat a year, which will be for a special need mom for any diagnosis, any diagnosis for their children, um, to put them together for weekend long retreats to give them opportunities to share stories, a lot of breakout sessions together, uh, speakers. And this is not like educational, (laughs) like no information (laughs) will be shared. Mm -hmm. This is for emotional healing for, um, you know, connection for yes, how to move forward, understanding that even though you don't want to qualify for this kind of group, if you do, we're going to do it with some serious joy and we're going to do it with some serious fun and knowing that we have a lot of people who are with you, regardless of what you think, like the numbers are staggering. Mm -hmm. So, um, I think women have needed this 
for a very long time. I think it's a long time in the making and I'm just so super proud and honored um, really to be affiliated with Julie and, and with Kate and with this huge thing um, and to be able to create something that's sustainable, you know, even when mm-hmm. I'm not in charge or when I'm not a part of it, I think that um, there's a saying and I don't know who said it and I've used this before. I seriously need to find out who said it. Oh my goodness. <laughs> but where, you know, sometimes we plant a lot of trees that we'll never enjoy the shade from. And mm-hmm. that's, that's kind of the thought, you know, with the numbers, the way they are in the special needs world, right? It is inevitable that your descendants, and I'm not saying your kids, but whatever, friends of your kids, you're, you know, distant, there's going to be this for the rest of our lives where women are going to need support in this arena, period. That's just a given. And so why not create it? Why not create spaces that don't exist? I think it's worth it. Absolutely. I mean, I, you, you guys are just doing the Lord's work in my opinion. I just feel like, like you said, it really is so needed. And it's interesting too, because we talked about, you know, the isolation in the beginning of this journey and feeling so alone and then needing your tribe to come together. And then for you and Julie too, it's like, you both were doing this on your own. Yes. This is a lot to carry for one person. So I love when it's like, we can come together in any capacity to just like be there for each other and to help each other. And when you guys, both of you, it's, you're both in Texas too, which is such a fun <laughs> coincidence also. Mm-hmm. Um, but just to, just to come together with this common goal, I just, it's so powerful. Yeah. Yeah. We're excited. And I think for us, you know, we're, we're focusing on every single mom that we have involved. If we need a photographer, if we need somebody who handles travel, if we need whatever we need, every single one has a special needs child. So this is, this is events that are created for us by us. We don't want anybody else involved. Like that's important to us because <laughs> there are so many women. Think about those. And you know, you've probably talked to some, I've known so many moms that have not, I don't like to use the word given up, but they've made choices, career choices because of a child that they have uh, because of a vulnerable child that needs them. And mm-hmm. so there are so many women who are so smart. They're so capable. They're so intelligent. They're so driven. They're so hardworking. But right now, their priority is taking care of this vulnerable kid for a while, at least, you know, um, as they grow. And so to give them something where they can give back to something so powerful with the skills they already have, man, that is that will be the reward of my life. Like that, that to me is so rewarding um, to be able to give that because I know what that's like. You know, I know what that's like. Absolutely. Oh, I'm I'm so inspired. Uh, I mean, I. I can't wait to attend one of these. Yes, <laughs> I know. I know. And, and COVID, COVID's messing it up. Listen, COVID oh, is like the nemesis of event planners. Like seriously, <laughs> this has been horrible, but we oh. are making do and we're, we're going to do it when it's right, you know, and, and we're, we're using this time to prep and plan. So yeah. for the next five, 10 years, you will know what's coming. Like you're going to know every single one for the next, you know, so we're using it purposefully, um, so hopefully we can come out of this and have a really long-term sustainable, you know, uh, calendar for all of the events that are coming. And so th- this time is definitely not, not being wasted by any means. That's, I mean, you guys are, are just killing it. I'm, I'm so excited for you. And like I said, just so inspired by this. I, yeah. I've said before, but it's like, I do feel like when you, when you're on this journey, it's like, you want to help yourself, but you want to help others. And you had said that before. And it's like, like we said, this, this journey will change you and make you just kind of rub off all your rough spots. And it gets to the point where it's like, you're like, okay, I, I want I want other people to be on this journey with me and I want to help them and I want them to help me. And it really is just like such a beautiful thing. Yes, I agree. Absolutely. Uh, well, I mean, I could really just talk to you all day. This has been so fun. <laughs> um, but can you share where everyone can find you, find your book, find out about mocha tribe about labeled and loved everything so the best place to go um there's my two websites and from two websites you can find everything so my mine is the mocha tribe diaries.com and mocha is like a mocha you buy at starbucks so it's m-o-c-h-a um tribe diaries.com and then the labeled and loved is labeled and loved all the words spelled out dot org find everything there's links to about us our books um 
uh, speaking events. I do a lot of public speaking, particularly for schools um, and well, really other venues too, but I do a lot of that on the side. And so um, everything you can find from those two sites, um, obviously on Facebook and Instagram. Um, and, but again, all of those links are on those two websites for all the social media connections. And um, you the, have the, a Facebook group for Labels yes. Online. I'm, I'm in the group. Julie yeah. has me a, uh, an invite, like when it first started and it's such a, a lovely supportive group and you guys do have like a little bit of a different mission there. Will you share that? Yeah. So right now, um, and there's more coming, but right now labeled and loved has a Facebook group that is specific to video chat only. So we wanted to build a space where you could actually, you would go and every day there's a Zoom meeting and you can be on it with other moms like you for different topic discussions or maybe it's a gender or age, you know, similarity. Um, So the goal is that every day there'll be events that you can join um, to see other moms face-to-face on Zoom, right? Not face-to-face, but to see their face on Zoom, (laughs) um, which came really out of, this was even an idea before COVID, but then COVID just kind of sustained it because that's what everybody's moving towards. And so um, that's been a really neat uh, start to what I what we believe will be much bigger. But um, yeah, it's the labeled and loved video chat group. Um, and you can find that on Facebook. And there's yeah. links to that too. The websites have links to all of that. So it's pretty, if you go to either one of those, you'll find everything there. Um, and then I was just going to say the book is on Amazon. So it's pretty easy to find. It's called Waiting for the Light Bulb. Um, and it's uh, ebook and paperback and audiobook. So, um, the book was all self-published. So everything you read and in here is just me in it, trying to make things on my own. Um, so the cover and everything. So it really, really was, I'm so proud of that project because it was my first one that really was born out of a Google search bar and YouTube searching. And, um, <laughs> You know, you figure it out as you go. So I literally did the audiobook under blankets, like in my room while my kids were sleeping or like it is just a mama's passion project. So I think you can appreciate that. Um, that's why I appreciate so much people like you, Megan. And I, I know how hard it is to create things when you have kids, you know, and um, I think it's so cool. And I'm so glad. I'm so glad there's many of us that I'm finding, you know, that are. Yes. are taking time to add their stories and their talents to the world because we need it. We need more of it. Everybody. I could not agree more when you said that. I mean, I, people always say to me like, oh my gosh, you're so busy. Mama, you are so busy. But like just the passion that you have, I mean, it radiates from you. And when I, when I listen to the book, cause like I said, yeah, I listen to it on Audible, which I am a, yeah, I love listening to audiobooks. Yes. But it's partly why I love I love listening to audiobooks because just like how I love podcasts, like I think hearing someone's story is powerful in their own words, but I think hearing it from their own voice, it just adds. Yes. It. And it was, it, it the, the book really, it was such a journey and, and such a beautiful story. Uh, I hope everyone listens to it or reads it. However you, however you enjoy your books. Um, <laughs> but yes, thank you so much for just everything you're doing for the autism community, for everything that you've shared. You, you're just like, you are a go-getter there there's at the end of the book you talk about how isla is a girl on fire and like she gets a (laughs) for sure (laughs) well thank you thank you you. it was it was was really fun talking to you megan and connecting i'm 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 hoping that everybody who's listening will look will look for those resources i think it'll only be only grow and i hope to connect with you again absolutely thank you so much lisa thank you take care For you, the listeners of Adventures in Autism podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. I often get asked for book recommendations related to autism, and one that I always go back to is called The Out of Sync Child by Carol Kranowitz, and it was actually recommended to me by a friend who is also an OT, and I read this book years ago before Logan was even diagnosed. It's not necessarily just for autism. 
It also goes into like sensory processing disorder or ADHD, but it's just very valuable information and a really great resource that I still pull from today, even though I read it years ago. So that's a really good one. Sometimes just to get my mind off things, I also just enjoy good old chiclet. <laughs> I love anything by Emily Giffen, like something borrowed or something blue. And those are available on Audible as well. But you can pick from any of their titles. So to download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash adventures in autism. All one word. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash adventures in autism for your free audiobook. Okay, well, I hope you enjoyed listening to my conversation with Lisa. Isn't she just amazing? Like I said in the beginning, I just walked away from this conversation feeling so inspired and uplifted, and it really was just such a joy to get to chat with Lisa. So definitely check her out. I will leave all her links on the show notes, but like she had said, if you go to her website, you will kind of find find everything you need right there. One more thing that Lisa and I talked about after we finished recording, and she was like, oh, I wish I had mentioned this, is that her two daughters actually do a little cooking show together on YouTube. So they have a channel and their cooking show is the Love and Olive Show. And it's so sweet. They they cook together and Lisa had said that the reason why they decided to do this was because Isla or Isla, her daughter, loves watching Food Network and the cooking channel and she loves cooking shows, but she doesn't get to see kids like her kind of represented on on shows like that or really in, in mainstream media in general. I was just having this conversation the other day that I feel like it's great that we're kind of shifting towards, you know, more, we see more and more about autism, like in the media, but it's always like this one kind of picture that we get of autism. So this show is, is so sweet. And I do love that it just, it represents their family and, you know, their, their lives and what, what that looks like for them. So definitely check that out. Like Lisa had said, go go to her website and you'll find all the links there. If you want to connect with me, you can find me on Facebook at Adventures in Autism Podcast, or you can find me on Instagram at Adventures in Autism Pod, or you can email me at Adventures in Autism 2018 at yahoo.com. Again, I love to hear from you guys. I love getting feedback, questions, whatever it may be, send it my way. If you are enjoying the show and you would be so kind to take a moment to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcast, those reviews really help people to find the show and just kind of grow this community. If you don't have time to leave a review, that's okay. Just tap that five star. <laughs> that really helps too. Um, but that is all for today. I have many awesome episodes coming up and a hundred now in the back catalog. So if you haven't dug through those yet, have a look, see, <laughs> enjoy all, all these episodes. Um, but that is all for now. So until next time, take care.